Welcome and thank you so very much for joining us on this segment of Making a Difference Through Mentorship. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to share principles and precepts from the word of the Lord that we trust will assist you in life and in ministry to make a difference in somebody's life and you make a difference one life at a time. In last week's podcast, we began with John chapter 13, verse 17, with this word from Jesus unto his disciples. Jesus says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. One more time. Jesus says to the disciples, after teaching them how to serve the Lord by washing people's feet, Jesus said, if you know these things, you will be happy if you do them. In other words, do what I have shown you and told you to do, and you will be happy. Today's podcast is part two of the pursuit of happiness. The word happy in John 13 and 17 can also be translated as blessed or one who is privileged or favored because divine favor has been bestowed on him or her. We also last week briefly talked about the nature of our Declaration of Independence, We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed, given by their creator, God, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The founding fathers of our nation were not perfect men, but I believe they were inspired men. And it was God that inspired them to write our Declaration of Independence, which is the foundation of our nation, with certain unalienable, undeniable, irrevocable rights that include life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Psalm 33 and 12 reminds us that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. We have a rich inheritance from God himself. Yet in a world deeply fragmented by religious beliefs, ethnicity, racial tensions, class distinctions, unequal access to education and basic health care for many, what everybody wants is to be happy. This is all a part of those undeniable, irrevocable rights that God has given to us. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everybody wants to be happy. Everybody, whether they believe in God or not, seek to live out this idea or concept of happiness. It was Benjamin Franklin that said the Constitution only guarantees the American people the right to pursue happiness. But then Franklin added, you have to catch it yourself. In the King James Version of Philippians 3 and 12, Paul says, I'm after, I'm trying to apprehend that which has apprehended me. The plan, this idea of happiness that God has for us established in his word, established in his favor is also noted in the New English translation of Psalm 92 and 4, where the Bible says, You, O Lord, have made me happy by your work. I will sing for joy because of what you have done. The word made carries the meaning of produced or manufactured, shaped, formed, or constructed. Being made in the image and likeness of God, you and I were made to be happy by the work of God in our lives. When you open up the back door of your life, and see the work of God operating by his mercy and grace, it makes you sing for joy because of what the Lord has done for you and I by saving us from the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. 
Paul further describes, John notes this for us in 1 John 2 and 16. Paul further describes the lust of the flesh in Galatians chapter 5 in the New, Liv New Living Translation, beginning at the 19th verse by saying, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Paul goes on to say, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. The lust of the eyes is that which may be appealing or attractive to the eye. The devil tried to tempt Jesus by the lust of the eyes when he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in Matthew chapter 4, verses 8 and 9, and spoke of their glory. When the devil said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The pride of life is simply everything and anything that is attractive to the eye that can potentially lead to arrogance and pride. The devil tried to tempt Jesus by the pride of life in Matthew 4, 5, and 7 when he took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and urged him to defy God. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life are tools in the devil's arsenal in his efforts to short-circuit the plan that God has for our lives. Jeremiah, of course, most of us are very familiar with the 29th chapter of Jeremiah's prophecy concerning you and I. But in the Message Bible, God says it like this. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future you hope for. Verse 12, when you call on me, when you come and pray to me, I'll listen. Verse 13, when you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else. Verse 14, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. I'll turn things around for you. When God says he will turn things around for us, this is the action of being changed for the better, moving in the opposite direction. We further see this defined in Psalm 25 verses 4 and 5 in the New International Version where David asked the Lord to show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me in your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me for you are God, my savior, and my hope is in you all day long. In other words, David acknowledged to the Lord that I need you to be my GPS. Google can't help me. Siri or Alexa can't help me. David said to the Lord, I need you to be my compass. Show me your ways. Guide me in your truth and teach me. I need you to turn things around for me. From David's position at this season of his life, perhaps there are a few questions that we need to ask ourselves as we learn from David's example. Questions like, am I going in the direction that God wants for me according to his plan? If I'm uncertain about the direction of my life and ministry, why is that so? Am I fulfilling the call of God that he has placed on my life? Because if I'm fulfilling what God has called me to do on the earth, I'll never be disappointed because I know what he has appointed me to do, and I'll be happy with that. Living life and ministry as the people of 2 Chronicles 7 and 10 in the New Century Version, where the Bible says, Solomon sent the people 
home full of joy. They were happy because the Lord had been so good. In 2 Chronicles 7, beginning at the first verse, the Bible says, when Solomon finished praying, they had dedicated the temple of God, the house of God. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. Verse two, the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites, verse three, saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, in the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good. His love endures forever. And then the people for seven days, for seven days offered sacrifices unto the Lord. They sacrificed 22,000 oxen and 120,000 sheep. So all of the people in the kingdom dedicated the house of the Lord. The lesson that we learn here is that when we honor God's house, God will honor your house. How do we know this? Because we see this in 2 Chronicles 7 and 10. After they dedicated the house of the Lord, after they experienced the presence of the Lord, after they spoke out of their mouths that the Lord is good, his love endures forever, Solomon sent the people home full of joy. They were happy because they had experienced the Lord's goodness. They were happy because the Lord had been so good. When you think back over your life and remember how good God has been to you, you find yourself in the spirit of Nehemiah 12 and 43 in the New Century Version where the Bible says the people, that's you and me, offered many sacrifices that day and were happy because God had given them great joy. The women and children were happy. The sound of happiness in Jerusalem could be heard far away. Geographically, the United States of America covers 3,531,905 square miles. Geographically, the earth covers 196.9 million square miles. And because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein, there is no place on this planet that the sound of happiness filled with great joy that cannot be heard coming from the mouths of us as God's people. When you know that the Lord has turned things around in your life, for when you know that the power and presence of God abides in you, when you know simply that God has been good to you, when you have understood what David meant, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There is the sound of happiness that also abides in you. And when you open up your mouth in praise, the sound is heard from far away. This is why David says in the 100th Psalm, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord is good, that he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. 
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. In the King James Version of Philippians 3 and 12, in essence, Paul says, that's what I'm trying to apprehend. I'm trying to apprehend that which has apprehended me. To apprehend is to lay hold, to possess as one's own, to seize, to take possession of, to take into custody, to arrest. In the Living Bible Version of Philippians 3 and 12, Paul says, I don't mean to say I'm perfect. I haven't learned all that I should even yet, but I keep working toward that day when I will finally be all that Christ saved me for and wants me to be, to apprehend, to lay hold of the attributes of joy and happiness, born and birthed from the nature of God, where the joy of the Lord is our strength, is to walk in life and ministry that few people will ever be able to understand. This does not mean that there will not be pain in our lives. Ask that mother that was in labor with her baby for 30 hours. Every contraction, every push was full of pain. But when that baby was birthed, that woman, that mother no longer focused on the pain, hallelujah, but rather the joy and happiness of holding her baby in her arms that she carried in her belly for nine months. Don't give up in your pursuit of happiness and authentic happiness because it is only birthed, hallelujah, in us and in us by and through the process of being impregnated by the power of God, even through people, pain, pressure, and problems. God desires to impregnate us with the power and ability of his happiness, which transforms our thinking, renews our minds, and makes us happy through it all. Enduring hardness as a good soldier. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 16 in the Message Bible, the Apostle Paul says, so we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart. On the inside where God is making new life. Let me say that again. So we're not giving up. How could we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us, but on the inside, God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Grace being the power and equipment for ministry. In other words, God has given us more power than the devil. Grace is the power and equipment for ministry. So in the living Bible of 2 Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, Paul says these troubles and sufferings of ours are after all quite small and won't last very long. Yet this short time of distress will result in God's richest blessings upon us forever and ever. Verse 18, so we do not look at what we see right now, the troubles all around us, but we look forward to the joys in heaven, which we have not seen yet. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys, a synonym for happiness to come will last forever. As believing believers, God is the true source of our happiness, where strength, hope, and wisdom abide within us. This is why Isaiah says, they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. They that wait upon the Lord. This word wait means to have hope, to have confident expectation. When Isaiah declared that he was waiting, he had a confident expectation that his strength would be renewed, that all that he needed would be in his God. So he waited expectantly, confidently, 
man and woman of God, this is how we obtain and maintain God's favor in the living Bible of Proverbs 10 and 22. As we wait on the Lord, it is the Lord's blessing in our greatest wealth. The Lord's blessing is seen in our greatest wealth. All our work adds nothing to it. Let me say this again. This is how we obtain and maintain God's favor in the living Bible of Proverbs 10 and 22. You just got to wait for it. You got to anticipate it. You got to expect it because Solomon says in Proverbs 10 and 22 in the living Bible, the Lord's blessing is our greatest wealth. All our work, whatever we do on our own, adds nothing to it. Solomon understood that genuine wealth is not determined by money and possessions. Many are wealthy in possessions and in cash, but are poor in every other way. Money is necessary, we understand, because it is a part of the world, the exchange system in which we live. But the greatest blessings of God have nothing to do with material things, although we are grateful for what God has given us. God is not opposed to us having things as long as the things don't have us. Solomon knew from experience that money and possessions could not bring true and lasting joy and happiness. So he says in the message translation of Proverbs 20, 10 and 22, God's blessings make life rich. Nothing we do can improve on it. When you have been made rich by God, what has made you rich is also designed to make you happy because at that point you have achieved the peace of God that passes all understanding that makes you happy when we are become, when we have been made rich in him. It's not the cars. It's not the house, the money or the clothes. Jesus is the center and the circumference, the base and the boundary, the beauty and the balance, the sum and the substance of all that we are. And living life in this place and space is what makes the believing believer happy with all of the problems and issues that face us today, over and over again in the word of the Lord, God tells us to rejoice. And again, I say rejoice to be of good cheer for I've overcome the world. Don't be afraid. God has not given us the spirit of fear to give thanks. These are all different ways of God telling us to be happy. Child of God, if you are not happy in the Lord, as Jesus said in John 13 and 17, if you know these things, Happy are you when you do them. If you're not happy in the Lord, the question then becomes, why are you not happy? As a means to help answer that question, I want to share with you four principles to increase your happiness in the Lord. Number one, stop living in the past. The relationship is over. It's ended. Someone in, the, in your church hurts you. Life is too short to allow the past to hinder your future. When you were a little girl or a little boy, when you fell off your bike and you scraped to cut your knee, it hurt. But it wasn't too long before you were back up on your bike, enjoying your life, riding your bicycle. There will always be scars in life, but stop living and allowing the pain of the past to hinder you anymore. Paul says in Philippians 3 and 13, but one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and I'm straining, I'm pressing forward to what lies ahead. Secondly, to increase your happiness in Christ, change your perspective. Our perspective is the way that we see a thing. Perspective has a has the Latin root meaning to look through or perceive. 
And all the meanings of perspective have something to do with looking or how we see a matter. If we were to observe the world from an eagle's perspective, we would see from the heights of the eagle's elevated flight pattern. Wildlife biologists and scientists tell us that the eagles obtain heights or altitudes of up to 10,000 feet. An eagle's eyesight is estimated to be five to six times sharper than that of a human being. They are capable of seeing over one and a half to two miles away. Many of us often miss God's blessings because we can't see them. We do not recognize them. Many are obsessed with what they don't have that they miss the opportunity to be grateful for what they do have. They simply can't see the blessings of God that are right before their eyes. The quality of your life in my life is not determined by the clothes that we wear, the educational qualifications that we carry, the family background that we come from, or the bank balances that we hold. Rather, the quality of our life depends upon how peaceful it was Isaiah that said, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Isaiah basically says, you'll be happy and content when you keep your mind on the Lord. Happiness is a part of our original nature. I'm convinced that Adam and Eve were completely happy in the garden until sin entered in. Sin destroyed the God perspective that was in Adam and Eve from the beginning. And the happiness that God had given them was gone because they were now trying to cover up their sin with fig leaves and aprons. If we change our perspective to the God perspective, thinking like God thinks in Isaiah 55 verses 8 and 9, we will grow in happiness because authentic happiness comes from God alone. And as we grow in happiness, our attitude of gratitude will also grow. This brings us to our third principle for increasing our happiness in Christ, an attitude of gratitude. In 1972, gospel recording artist Andre Crouch released a song that says, How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for all the things that he has done. That's happiness. Knowing that all that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to the Lord. And this and this serves to further undergird an attitude of gratitude. When I open up the back door of my life and I see where the Lord has brought me from, we used to sing an old song that says, can't nobody do you like Jesus. Can't nobody do you like the Lord. It helps my attitude of gratitude to always be thankful and it helps me to remain happy. Finally, a principle to help increase your happiness in Christ Remind yourself to smile. I know this one may sound a little funny or ridiculous, but just remind yourself to smile. Then go out and take a look at the trees. They didn't die last night. Life is all around us. When you get up in the morning, the first thing we need to do is practice smiling. At whom? Nobody. Just practice smiling. Because just the fact that you woke up is no small thing. 
Millions of people went to bed last night and did not wake up today. But you and I are still here. You can smile because God's grace and purpose are alive in your life. That next breath that you just took, you can smile because God's grace and purpose is alive in you. Smile and then look around and see if there's somebody close by and then smile at them. Many have missed the complete sense of what it means to be alive. Every morning that you and I wake up, the birds are singing, winter, spring, summer, or fall. Whether the temperatures are below zero, whether it's raining, every morning you and I wake up, the birds are singing. And you and I, God has given us a song that the angels cannot sing. Jesus said to his disciples in John 13 and 17, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. What things? The things that I need to know that you and I need to know that the grace and mercy of God is sufficient for you and I. Day by day, goodness and mercy are following us all the days of our lives. And right now we are dwelling under the canopy of God's protection. He that abides in the secret place of the Most High abides under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. The name of the Lord, as the proverb has said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are safe. Oh, glory to God. Jesus said, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. Do what? Do what he taught his disciples to do, to serve lost humanity by washing people's feet, which includes washing even your enemy's feet. When you can learn to wash even your Judas feet, because Judas was at the same table when Jesus washed his feet. Jesus knew full well that Judas was going to betray him. But if you know these things, know what? That God has come to give you power over the enemy, which includes all of your enemies, people that have done you wrong, people that have treated you badly, people that have discredited your character. If you know these things, know what? You have been birthed in the world to be salt and light, to be a preservative, to be a lighthouse in a dark time in humanity's existence. Jesus says, if you know these things, happy are you if you do them. In other words, do what I've shown you and told you to do and you will be happy. The word happy in John 13 and 17 can be translated as blessed or one who is privileged or favored and happy because divine favor has been bestowed on him or her. As you and I do what God has shown us and told us to do in his word, if we know these things, Jesus says, privileged recipients of divine favor are you and I, if we do as he says. So David says in Psalm 144 and 15, happy are the people whose God is the Lord. You can be happy every day of your life when you and I live your life in Christ. As we close today's podcast, it was Andrew Bonner, former prime minister of Great Britain, that once stated, God can make you happy in any circumstances. Yet without God, nothing can make you happy. Be happy, child of God. Be happy, man and woman of God, because David said, happy are the people whose God is the Lord.